0: You're listening to just stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of black wall street homecoming.
1: And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the Recity network.
0: All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process and we're here to help you process.
1: But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers and we will never make you feel like an outsider.
0: Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person. And that starts with our personal,
1: personal check-in. check-in. Let's do it.
0: Rob. Hey, hey
1: Jess. How you doing, friend?
0: I, I'm doing great. We've been doing this, like, see, you, can see you, everybody can see us. So I'm I know. trying to get my lighting right. Cause I definitely want to be in front of this window. And at the same time recognize that could be a problem. So Hi everybody! A fun world of video. I might go in and out of my poor camera trying to keep up. How are you? I'm what, good. What you I'm mean?
1: good. Summer is very much in full swing. We're deep into summer now, right? Especially by the time this episode airs. Yep. So my, I may, I hope I'm still alive at that point. By the t- this might be. <laughs> <laughs> or if not, my kids have have literally run me ragged.
0: Yeah. Me I have, have, a I have actually a
1: fun question for you. On okay. speaking of summer. Yeah. Do you know that little, like the popsicles that you buy that all come in a line of different colors? Do yeah. you know what I'm talking yeah. about? They're like super, super cheap at the grocery store. The
0: thin ones, the like yes. ice, the thin my, icy,
1: Yeah. What do you icy. call those? This is like icy. a hotly debated topic amongst some people in my, in my, my space here. I, I, Ices. Ices, just one. That's it. Ices. Is no. that your word for it? I say Ices. Yeah. Wow, that's a new one. I haven't actually even yeah. heard that one.
0: What, did, what do people call it? Oh, by the way, everybody, I have to remind our listeners that I had Invisalign in, so I talk with a lisp. Somehow I feel like I'm so insecure about it that- You've already mentioned stupid. that nobody was cares. last episode. Nobody, I know, and that nobody cares. but I, well, what if somebody just is tuning what in? What if someone's a new just,
1: listener and they're like, yeah, what's up with mean, Jess's I, voice?
0: And it's okay because I think my lisp is cute, but I also wanted to point out that my S's are going to be a little, because I have to keep them in. You can only take them out two hours a day. So these we should totally like,
1: get a, an Invisalign sponsorship out of this. We're giving them some serious, that so and Icy's. We're, we're just begging <laughs> right now. What we're doing is we're just kind of teasing out, seeing who's going to bite. We're going fishing. To answer the original question, yes. I thought okay. it was between two options. You introduced a third one, and I think we're going to need our guests to come in here soon I mean, to help yeah, maybe I mean. split the difference. I thought it was between Freezy Pops and Icy Pops. Like I know You're just sticking with Icy. I called them Freezy Pops. When when I, when I, I was I growing up,
0: that. yeah, no,
1: is yeah. that not no? I'm you just called him Ices,
0: just Ices. <laughs> All right, so you're a Freezy Pop, I'm an Icy Pop, you're, I, or
1: you're like, icy, you're just icy, icies. right?
0: Yeah, Ices. Uh-huh. Don't feel
1: like you have to change your answer for me. You, you, I'm
0: not, but I think I'm more on the side of. I, I mean, I'm not Freezy Pop, but that's what is like isn't that the brand?
1: How I don't know. Free, I, I
0: think. I don't
1: know. I guess I'm just so excited by how cheap they are at the grocery store. I don't actually look at the name. I'm just like, <laughs> how is it that something is still is just $2 and I get like 400 of them? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Such a it's good deal. Everybody loves finding a good deal.
0: That's why it's so cheap. It's just yes. sugar water.
1: You're right. It's not a complicated recipe. That's why.
0: Frozen Kool-Aid is what it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're going to, maybe we'll throw it out on the, well, now that we're social media, we're video, right? We got our own Twitter handle, Instagram handle, the podcast, just right here. Here's a shameless yeah. plug, right? Follow at the podcast just, and maybe we'll throw out a question or a poll to our audience, which what is the official oh, yeah. name? we are probably, we'll need to put a picture out so we don't bias people, right? A picture of, of this oh, item. Yeah.
0: And okay, then just yeah, say, exactly. here are the
1: options. What do you what call is, this?
0: What do you call it? Yeah.
1: And we'll just see. Maybe we can put a yeah, friendly so wager.
0: Out of the freezer. That's exactly what it is for me. I just had to think about it. Like, is that the word I use? It's definitely the word I see. Okay. I love I this. Confirm my bias. This
1: just this confirms <laughs> to me how important this warm up conversation is to our podcast. People need this. People need the truth when do it they? comes to what this dessert item is called. And I'm really We're glad. Doing <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like we don't need to check in anymore. Like this was the most important thing we've established today.
1: <laughs> the most important <laughs> the thing about each other is what we call this dessert that we keep in our freezers. Yes, that is. Yeah, That's
0: that it. Was okay. I, I think it is it. Cause I'm super excited about actually about asking Joy the question. So I feel like I need to get through her bio so I can get to her answer. Let's so do are this. we okay? If it's I not the most check.
1: important thing about her, but we do need this to be incorporated into her internet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really simple. All
0: right. <laughs> so, so joy, we know you're here. We can see you. I'm not going to ask you just yet. I want to introduce you to our audience and then we'll start with your answer so that we can kind of use it as our leverage into the first question. I'm excited though. How are Welcome, you? Welcome, joy?
1: joy. We're so glad to Welcome. have you. Can you hear us? Okay. I can hear
2: you. Can y'all hear me? Oh, we can. Yes, Loud and clear. I got
0: people outside my window, by the way, waving at me while I'm recording this. So that's why I'm doing this. I sit in a space that feels like an aquarium. And so people were waving my, my apologies. Joy, so glad to see you, friend.
2: So happy to be here.
0: So I get the opportunity and pleasure to introduce you. And I'm glad that I do because Joy and I, We found our way to one another very randomly through Leadership Triangle and Christine Sloan about a year ago, I guess, when she made an introduction. And I got a chance to meet Joy and learn about her work and was just so impressed with all the things that she's doing for the community and for moms and families. And I just, as a mom, having been through what we all are, we're all parents, but having gone through what it really, the work and the stress and the pressure of being a new mom, what that really looks like, getting prepared for parenthood is a lot. And so in some of our communities, it's monumental. And so the work that you're doing, Joy, is so critical. And I'm just honored to know you. So I'm glad that you're on our podcast today and that we get to introduce you to the world. So I'm going to formally do this by going through your bio. Joy Spencer, who you see here on the screen, I hope for all of you who aren't, go to YouTube so you can see Joy and her beautiful face and her killer earrings today. Joy is the executive director of Equity Before Birth a black maternal health charity organization working to eliminate disparities and improve maternal health outcomes by providing paid leave opportunities and increased access to prenatal support services. Mm. All of that's so important. Joy is a proud mama of an almost three-year-old and lifelong advocate committed to achieving equity and authentic community engagement. Her baby is getting ready to turn three very soon. So happy birthday to her. Joy is also on the policy side and the sense of advocate. She testified before Congress on the importance of child care and paid leave. So we're grateful for your voice on that topic. And she launched as executive director has made some huge waves in this work since 2020. In the pandemic, she gained over 25 community and direct service partners, raised over $250,000, received $30,000 in grants, and assisted forty families with an average of a thousand dollars each in direct assistance. And I'm telling you, that money that goes a long way. A thousand dollars is huge in this in that space. And then also distributed approximately twenty thousand dollars to Black families and birth workers. We don't want to forget that. So, Joy, you are doing incredible work, yeoman's work. I like to say, thank you so much for just the investment that you make and just being a great mama. Welcome to the Just Podcast.
2: Yay! Thank you for having me. Thank you for that introduction. I'm so excited to be here and such a huge fan of both of you and the Just Podcast. Well, Yay. we're excited. I, I think. Can I ask
1: you now? You Joy, have
0: to do it because you are. It's your question.
1: You've been listening to our our personal check in time. Do you have an opinion on what these desserts are called? These icy pops, freezy pops, mm-hmm. ices. What's your vote? Do you have? Is there a fourth option, or are you on one of our teams?
2: Yeah, I do. And I was going to say, we call them popsicles. That is our popsicle. That's the only popsicle option that we knew we couldn't get the name brand or the fruit bars or anything fancy. And so that was our popsicle. We just call them popsicles. I have heard them called freeze pops before. Um, but yeah. when little kids in my neighborhood asked for popsicles, that's, that's what we had in mind.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm having a growing suspicion that there, every single person in the world has a different name for this. Cause I mean, what are the odds? All three of us called it something different. How many possibilities no. are there?
0: I don't think there's many maybe more, but, but okay. maybe, maybe there are. Cause who knows? Yeah. <laughs> We are currently at four. You gave us two, and then Joy and I. You didn't gave even
1: five. humor me. Like I, I went to the extreme no. and said every person in the world, and you didn't even say like, oh, maybe there's ten. You said no. There's probably not a single, not another one. That's
0: probably not. We're excited to have you on. You got to keep us, so
1: keep
0: us Joy, um, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, why don't we just get started from the? Let's just set the stage here talk to us about equity before birth, help us understand, help our listeners understand what the disparity is. Why are you doing this work and how are you helping to address it? So like, let's just dig into your work.
2: All right. So yeah, a little bit about why. So the United States has the largest healthcare budget in the world. We have the most money pumping through our healthcare system, but compared to similarly developed countries, we actually have the worst maternal and infant health outcomes in the world. I think we rank literally 33 or 34 out of 35 industrialized developed countries when it comes to birth outcomes and maternal health outcomes. And then when you disaggregate that data and you zone in on race and ethnicity, you see black women and black birthing people faring far worse, where infants are dying at twice the rate of white infants before celebrating first birthdays. And our moms are dying at three to four times the rate to preventable pregnancy-related complications. And that is on average. When you control for career, education, income, it gets worse. And we see disparities up to 12 times the death rate and up to 12 times the poor um, health outcomes. And so We are in what I call a maternal health crisis. We have the resources. In fact, over 60% of pregnancy-related deaths are preventable. So this is totally a solvable problem. We just need to invest and put the resources and support where it needs to be in order to resolve the problem. It's morbid to talk about mortality and death, but that's where we are. But even if we go beyond that, for every pregnancy-related death, there are 70 near misses. So 70 additional birthing people who either experienced a traumatic experience and or a near death experience wow. when it came to them trying to have their babies. So so we are in crisis and we need to do better and we can do better. And so there are several organizations and efforts that help to uplift the health of families and, and infants and children Equity Before Birth is a fairly new charity organization and taking a fairly new approach. What we are doing is we are saying, we know there's a link between financial security and health outcomes. And so we are really fusing economic justice with birth justice to influence those birth outcomes by way of promoting financial security. And so we're kind of taking a a nuanced approach to it, but we are leaning heavily on research That says, for example, for every one dollar increase of wages, the infant mortality rate in that area decreases by up to four percent for that year. And for example, when you have paid leave, the rate of postpartum depression and maternal depression drastically decreases because you are not stressed about keeping a roof over your head and keeping your utilities on while you're healing from a birth event or bonding with your baby or trying to figure out how to feed your baby and things of that nature.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing that statistic around the minimum wage when I was working or I was serving on the board of Prevent Child Abuse, North Carolina, that focuses on prevention and and abuse, obviously, and neglect. And I could not believe just, I just couldn't believe it. Just the economic levers that you could pull that could change families across the state of North Carolina. And if we're going to make a business proposition, it saves the state of North Carolina I think billions of dollars. I can't remember. You probably know this, Joy, but the amount on the bottom line to make one one lever pull over on the right changes the bottom line on the left favorably, if we're talking about economics. Why we don't do that is beyond me. I just cannot wrap my mind around the politics to not make one decision in order to impact not just lives, but then you want to make that business imperative. It makes sense. And we can shift dollars in different spaces and different places across the state. But instead, we don't do it. And I would love to, that's not a question in here, but it's really something that I cannot, I cannot sort that out. And um, I'm really glad that you brought it up because we are in a crisis and it feels like the solutions are right in front of us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those statistics are staggering and When you zoom out, I guess it makes, you're nodding along and it makes sense. You hear, oh, the U.S. is at the top of a list and you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's not shocking. We're the most well-funded healthcare system in the world. You're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then when you talk about the fact that we're 34th out of 35th of all developing countries, right? And I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, Joe, I don't don't think you did, but the maternal death rate, right? Pregnancy-related death in the U.S. has doubled since 1987. That was a stat that from your website that really jumped out to me. That really feels so backwards, right? We think about our society as, "Hey, we're moving forward," especially when it comes to technology and health, right? These things should be less and less the case over time. But somehow, with all of this money that we have in, in our country, this is something that's actually getting much, much worse. Not even just staying the same, which would be sad. So, tell us, Joy. You you mentioned this. There are so many organizations nationally and even locally that work with mothers, work with families, with young children. But Equity Before Birth, I think you guys do a really wonderful job of naming your distinctives. You, know, you even have a section on your website that says, you know, wh- why another nonprofit? You just meet it head on. I love that. I love that because we're all here in kind of the Durham community everybody is thinking it there. That's a question that pops up all the time is, Hey, why do you need to exist? And you just really lean into that. Say, here's how we're different. Here's how we're leaning in to fill some gaps. Kind of tell us what sets you apart that no one else is really doing the way that you guys are doing in our community.
2: Yeah. So a few things that set us apart. One is our commitment to autonomy and treating families with dignity. So giving and empowering them with the resources that they need to get what's best for their family and their baby. When your employer doesn't offer you paid leave, we provide supplemental income up to $2,000 in a month to help create that cushion and not push you further into a financial bond just because you decided to move, transition your family, and expand your family. And so what that does is we're not making people give us receipts and we're not making people say, hey, this is what you have to spend money on, but it allows folks to continue with their routine and continue to meet their family goals. Another thing we do that's Unprecedented is giving direct financial assistance for essential baby needs. You don't have to take a class and send in your pay stub and have us verify your hours with your supervisor. If you say, hey, they're not going to let me come home from the hospital without a car seat. We're going to give you the funds you need to get that car seat. And if you want that car seat to be turquoise with purple polka dots, it can be turquoise with purple polka dots. It doesn't have to be a hand-me-down stained car seat just because there may be a financial hardship that you're going through at this time. And we cut the bureaucracy with that. So we're not a default kind of mini social services. We really and truly speak personally with each family, figure out what their needs are and do a cost analysis based on that to try to cover those needs and meet the baby essentials. And then lastly, we are directly covering the cost of perinatal support services. So you come up with your birth plan what would be your ideal way to transition into parenthood maybe you want a doula and you want breastfeeding support and you want your placenta encapsulated and you want a nutritionist that will help you you know stay healthier get back on track after you have the baby you can have the best job in the world the most supportive family and spouse And that $2,000 doula, and that $150 an hour for a nutritionist, and that $350 placenta encapsulation fee can still be outside of your budget. What we know is that having continuous support, whether it comes from partner, spouse, community, doula, increases birth experience and birth outcomes by up to a third, 33 to 35%. Just having someone there to support you can drastically improve your health outcome. It promotes full-term labor and delivery, it reduces chances of C-section, and it overall improves like your vital signs and your actual labor and delivery. And so if the only thing stopping you from getting that optimal care team, that optimal experience is finances, We want to cover that cost. We want to cover the cost of that doula for you, cover the cost of that lactation consultant, that therapist, so on and so forth. And what makes that unique is that we are intentionally partnering with BIPOC, Black and Brown, birth workers and birth educators to get those services out to families. So when we pay birth workers, Black and Brown, educators and birth workers market rate, Not only are we increasing access to those services for Black and Brown families, we're connecting them to a provider that looks like them, and we are sustaining Black and Brown birth work, which was systemically eradicated. Our means to deliver our own babies and take care of our own babies was systemically eradicated with the birth of the obstetrics field, right? So a white man came and said, oh, actually, we're going to put these things in a book, and if you can't check these things off in a book, you can't practice. And so we are kind of like revitalizing black and brown birth work while simultaneously supporting families and building a comprehensive ecosystem to support families that are in the perinatal stage. Because what that's doing is we cover the cost for services, but we don't provide services. So what we're doing is we are seeking organizations and businesses in the community who are already serving our families. And we're saying, look, can we add these families to your caseload and cover the cost of that and kind of amplify and sustain your work simultaneously?
0: You get that, Rob? All of that?
2: I I got, I'm just taking it
1: all in. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I think, Joy, you cover that so seamlessly for our listeners. I think it's really helpful the way you paint that picture of the ways you're stepping in, but also the ways you're not stepping in because things already exist that you're amplifying, which is such a beautiful combination. Like people aren't doing this over here. So say, Hey, my hands up, we'll go do it. People who are already doing this, we're not going to replicate that. What a beautiful combination that I think is rare, Jess. You look around yeah. the nonprofit sector locally and nationally, usually people end up not filling gaps, right? Or being redundant. And you're you're really doing the best of both of those worlds, Joy. So I just, I applaud you.
0: Yeah, that's well said. So now I've got, now I want to know, and I'm sure our listeners want to know this too. Why? This is, you're doing some really incredible work. Grateful that you're doing it. But what has driven you into this space, right? This is a challenging role. It's important and critical work. What's your story or what motivates you?
2: Yeah, so I grew up with one of the best moms in the world, and we grew up in rural eastern North Carolina and just didn't have a lot of resources. My mom started a nonprofit over 30 years ago to advocate for some of our needs, some of the needs that her her children had. This was at a time where trauma was not really understood, trauma-informed care, mental health, the importance that children had mental health as well that we needed to take care of, social, emotional, health. So long story short, mom really ushered in the nothing about us without us movement and having lived experience and having families at the table and especially in terms of your mental and physical care. And so I was kind of born into advocacy work. I am dating myself, but used to have a toy typewriter thinking I was taking minutes at like different board meetings and (laughs) community meetings and things of that nature. So I've always had a special place in my heart of empowering, uplifting families, uplifting family voice, uplifting moms. In fact. I was told my mom was like, when I was in like kindergarten, they said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I say, "A mom." That's just where my heart has always been. So fast forward, I've just always been an advocate for, in line with my experience for Black women, for moms, for families, especially families who may be low on wealth or low on resources. But it really hit home. So I I do this night, day, in my sleep. It just really hit home when I got pregnant and and went through my own journey with. With my kid, I have experienced a lot of systems. I was unemployed. I did not have paid leave. I did not have health insurance. I did not have family close by. I did not have a partner. So I just needed to lean in on community for um, support and resources. And it was really hard. I was sick. I was um, not able to hold down food and water not able to kind of wasn't as mobile as I needed to be and all these things. And so it was really hard trying to navigate a system that wasn't set up to actually help me. There was barrier after barrier. You have to wait for 60 days for your Medicaid application to process. Well, on I might be like eight months pregnant by then. <laughs> like you have to you can't. Get rental assistance because you don't have a job. You can't get a job because you don't have checker. You can't get checker because you don't have a job. It's like all these like cash 22. So anyway, serendipitously, I mean, I've just always been volunteering on boards, on commissions and community meetings. And the founders of Equity Before Birth decided when they had a baby during the pandemic, they had good jobs and each other and family and resources but it was still hard for them to get all the resources they needed to get appropriate child care and take care of their baby and so they started digging and started really uncovering a lot of the disparities and they were like wow it's hard for us how is it for other people that are also dealing with like financial trouble systemic bias all these things and they said what we can do is leverage our resources and our privilege to start a charity organization so we can get financial resources back out to people. And they started plugging into all these community meetings and they started seeing me at all these community meetings that they were plugged into around families and children and just advocating for parent voice and black women's voice to be there. And literally one day I got a call that said, you know what, like you are the type of woman that we need to lead this organization. I can't lead this organization as a white woman. We need black women to lead it. We know that, we just didn't know who. And just hearing you navigate through these spaces, we realized it was you. And so the way I got hired on as ED of Equity Before Birth is completely serendipitous. And if I may add, I was working for county government at the time when the pandemic hit, daycares closed, and I was a central worker, and and that didn't. And I have a two-year-old in a pandemic, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? I don't have a center. I wrote my letter of resignation, and I said, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but one thing I can't do is leave my kid at home by herself, right? And so it was really miraculous, y'all. Like I have this draft of a resignation letter and no backup plan. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to keep my car? And then I get like this job offer that is, wow, can we pay you to do the things that you would do anyway all day, every day (laughs) for free? And so here, here I am.
0: That's awesome. That's such a great story. I didn't ask you that story when we first met because we were kind of getting down to the business at hand, but that was uh, that's amazing, Joy, I, and obviously meant to be, obviously mm. meant to be a friend. That's mm. great. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. I love that when you just, you kept showing up the, to tables and people said, oh, yeah you are already doing this work. Like we, this shouldn't shouldn't be us, it should be you. I love that realization. And I, I wish that was more often the case, right? Where we actually recognize, hey, who's best equipped to do this? The people that have have, have lived it, have breathed it, who are, are, are most proximate to these systems and, the, and run into these barriers themselves, they can have this empathy to be able to walk alongside others and then, you know, and now you are empowered in this role. And so joy, one, I'd love to follow up with you. We've been talked about this in this season. One of the themes that have kind of permeated a lot of our conversations here uh, in season three is around fusion friendships. Not a, not a term we made up, we found online through a local, local person that wrote an article, but this idea of finding relationships in our lives that cross lines of difference, but finding some common ground where there's actually, you, you can link arms with someone that maybe is not like you in whatever way to be able to pursue a shared vision. So- Can you tell us just a little bit, this can be related to the equity before birth story or not, but just a fusion friendship that has been particularly impactful for you personally?
2: Yeah, I would say all of the relationships that are forming as a result of this work, especially with the founders of the organization. I don't think that we may have typically found each other and been friends. We're in different education brackets, economic brackets, from different backgrounds and experiences, but what i have noticed is that a lot of people can bond over this topic everyone has a mom regardless of your relationship with her and if you are a mom it's this unspoken like pregnancy is hard right but like you don't speak about it out loud in public but sometimes when you get in private and you have these conversations it's like oh my goodness me too or i experienced that too or oh my goodness we survived and navigated this too. And so my number one fusion friendship would be with the founders of this organization, just realizing we have kids similar age and navigating similar challenges and feeling similarly about hot topic items and enraged about the same things and passionate about the same things. And I don't think without this topic being brought to the forefront that I would have found some of those connections. And and even with some of our partnerships being really atypical, there's so many organizations and businesses and B Corps and things who are interested in helping to eliminate disparities and address this issue and saying, hey, I remember my sister going through this. I remember my mom going through this. My grandmother lost her child and we never talk about it. And this and it's really brought people together on a common ground where I don't think we would have um, had these conversations or even con- made these connections before. I love that. The great equalizer.
1: Everybody has a mom.
0: Yeah. Regardless of your relationship with her, we yeah. all know, right?
1: Right. We all have that in common. At least that we one thing. We all have
0: that in common. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. I had mentioned earlier that you testified before Congress. And so I just want to shift a little bit around policy. So we know there are some changes, right, nationally around child care. I am wondering when you think about that social safety net locally, where are you seeing the impact? Where are the gaps? How is it showing up? Maybe just give our audience a little glimpse into the policy setting and how you're seeing it play out every day. Obviously, we're here in Durham, but for our listeners who are all over the place, how they can maybe think about how it should be showing up locally for them as well
2: yeah i love this question it's a huge question i would encourage folks to just really start thinking more critically about policy and how it affects our day-to-day so we have some unprecedented policy proposals on the table right now at the national state and local level so the biden administration is doing some really important things to try to increase our paid leave opportunities increase our access to health care invest more money into childcare infrastructure. And those conversations are trickling down where we're seeing on the state level, some companion bills. So there may be federal proposals for childcare and paid leave, but there are also now state proposals for childcare, paid leave, extending Medicaid through more than six months, six weeks after you have a baby, extending it to the first year. And so I will say that what I am most excited about is that our local elected officials like Senator Murdoch and Representative Zach Hawkins and others, especially in Durham and surrounding areas, have tapped into us, have asked Black moms, have asked local nonprofit leaders, say, what? types of legislation would really be helpful. And so we have legislation now that addresses the need for implicit bias training with healthcare providers. And we have legislation on the floor that addresses the need for expanding Medicaid, and covering doula services with health insurance. We have legislation that calls even for funding towards organizations like us, Equity Before Birth, and our partner organization MAME, that can help us sustain our work. I will say that these pieces of legislation are unprecedented and important because you have folks with lived experience that help to draft these pieces of legislation. I even read them like, whoa, they kept that in there? Like, we're really going to try to do this and do the thing? Uh, so it's really important for us to tap in and to let our elected officials know that these are the types of legislation we need to see. We need to see money trickling down to grassroots organizations and into actual households. We need to see more child care subsidies so that people can afford the quality child care centers. We need to see more paid sick leave benefits and maternity leave benefits. We have so many people bringing sick kids to daycare and going to work sick because they literally cannot afford. In fact, 62% of working black adults cannot afford to take a day off because right. they don't have an opportunity to take it off with pay. Wow. And that's, can you imagine how many folks are not taking care of themselves just because they simply yeah. cannot ca- calculate their ability to rest? Right. 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 Yeah. We need to call the NAP ministry to come in and join us on this advocacy because a lot of it is about just us not being able to rest and recharge and, and take care of ourselves. And so, so to answer your question, there are a lot of good policy movements going on that if passed will trickle down and we will feel directly, we will see money coming in for child care. We will see money coming in for paid leave. We will see money. To answer one of your early questions, I think that's just such a huge investment that has to be made to see our ROI in community. A lot of people want that immediate gratification, and that's not what we're doing with dealing with. We're we're investing in community in it's way that's going to affect us for generations to come. So if I'm pregnant and you invest in me to be able to take care of my baby, not only am I going to return to work for the long term, my baby's going to grow up healthy and able to enter and be a productive member of the workforce. And then as them being a healthy member of society, their babies are going to come into the world healthy and be able to enter and be a productive member of the workforce. So I think people are hesitant to invest because it's not immediately. What we're doing is we're investing intergenerationally. And so... Need people to tap in and get informed, get involved, reach out, speak up, say, Hey, I need paid leave. Hey, I need help with quality childcare. And we are more than happy to help folks tap in in those ways. That is a lot to be encouraged by. Like you talk about, Joy, I, mean, I think you're hitting on several
1: layers here, but the pandemic, we talked about this in, in previous episodes of it kind of re- revealing all of so many fault lines that exist that are just really untenable for so many people in our society. And I think that moms specifically have been named as this group of like, man, this is the toll that we've asked moms to carry, carry the, so much of the bulk of this load through this pandemic. We've got to figure out a new way. We've got to figure out a new story that works for everybody, especially the moms that can't rest, like you're saying, can't take a breath. That's not sustainable and we've got to do better. We got to do better by our moms, whoever they are, period, all moms. We got to do better by all moms. And I think that's what exactly what you're trying to do. If I can ask you to look forward for a bit, obviously there's some stuff to be encouraged by in the present, not as much so in the past, but looking forward, what gives you hope and almost like paint a a vision for the future for our audience? What is the vision that you're working towards with equity before birth, what does our community look like? And I don't know how far this vision goes out for you, five years, (laughs) 10 years, 200 years, what is that picture? Paint that picture for our listeners of what the community looks like that you're building towards.
2: Mm-hmm. I love this question. It's so huge because like you said, there's so many layers to our work. So I have a multi-layered vision. I mean, one is to destigmatize and de-traumatize policies. We have a lot of harmful policies, let's be for real. But I want us to walk into our power and understand what that means to get these changed. And to we are inheriting the system. We are our 30-somethings, our 40-somethings are the new leaders of this system. So it's going to be up to us to set those policies and set these changes. I want uh, policy and elections not to be this arbitrary pie in the sky. Oh, we vote for the president thing. I want us to realize how the budget hearing that the county just entered a couple of weeks ago is going to directly affect the money we get in our pocket to pay our bills and to pay our rent and the jobs that we have. Like I want us to really start to to grasp that. So that's for one is making letting folks see the power in their voice when we speak up we can see changes that trickle down and affect our personal bottom lines for two i see a vision of creating this really comprehensive perinatal health ecosystem. So I don't have to go over here to get help with food, go over here to get help with childcare, go over here to get help with housing, go over here to get my appointment for me, go over there to get my appointment for my child, and then go get my ears checked over here, my eyes checked over here, my teeth checked over there, right? I want us to streamline some of those services. And we're starting to see some of that where we see organizations reach out to us and say, Hey, such and such would really need a doula. Is this something y'all could help with? And we're saying, Hey, we have them on our list and we are going to help them out and sponsor them with a doula. Do y'all have a doula for her? And so we're like starting to see that come together where we're working with families and, Oh yeah, we have her doula covered. Can y'all get her some extra diapers? Oh, can we tap in and let's make sure communities and partnership knows that she needs an extra produce box this week and things like that. So we're starting to see some of that come together. But I really want us to have a more break the silos, work together to wrap families around all of the support that they need. Instead of us operating like the 2000 individual orgs we are, we can start to have some more collaborations going i see of course empowered community members where folks are having this all time they know what questions to ask their doctor they have their whole entire care team with them they have their partner and their doula and their best friend who just had a baby last year with them as a part of their care team and i see those birth and health outcomes improving because we have these empowered family units with doctors who are listening with providers who are there and listening I see us expanding statewide, but in a community-rooted way. We're not going to go to Forsyth County and say, this is what y'all need to do. No, we're going to find doulas in Forsyth County and say, hey, do you see any families who have trouble paying for doulas? Do y'all have enough lactation consultants here? Do y'all have enough therapy? We're going to see what communities need and and offer our help based on what communities need and really pilot this community-rooted model where we are going, finding out who is already doing the work and how can we amplify and sustain that work. And so as we expand into more counties and our vision is to expand statewide, and then we will have a comprehensive model to pilot off into other states. So that states can help families in a community rooted way. That is what I'm committed to and committed to keeping families involved, having them tell their own story. We ask families, how do you want us to celebrate you? We do family Friday posts, but it's how do you what can we celebrate about your family this week? And so really prove to folks that we can cut the bureaucracy and still have an effective and impactful organization that centers that lived experience and centers those who are most intimately connected to the issue. And so I see us eventually being nationally recognized, and other states may not be prioritizing paid leave because they may have a state paid leave program. Maybe they have to prioritize access to lactation consultants or doulas, but we want to be able to document our process enough for other communities and states to meet the needs that their community has. I know that's a lot, but it's a lot. I told y'all Did it's you a lot. That, Did you
0: get all that, Rob? <laughs> Are are you going
1: to be quizzing me later, Jess? I feel like you keep asking me. (laughs) I'm soaking it all in.
0: Taking a break, taking a breath on my end to like digest it all. Just so many things. Mm. First of all, Joy, you have vision. Okay, like Mm. you just Mm. painted an entire landscape of change, and none of it felt unaccomplishable to me. None of it felt like pie in the sky. I think you use that term, but like to me, it felt. Accomplishable. It's going to require necessary, necessary, accomplishable. Obviously, you're going to need partners to get this done and buy-in and all the things. But it's great vision that you are casting for your organization. I love how you're setting it up to be a national model. I'm kind of in that space where I love things. If you're going to build it, go big or go home. Build something that's going to have disruptive energy around it where it changes the world, right? Not just your little corner of it. So. I love that. I, I love where your head is on this. Like you are the right leader for this time, friend. This is so good. Now we're kind of at the end of our time with you, but I'm energized. What you just laid out really just gives me a lot of hope. And then that was the question that Rob asked is what gives you hope? That gave me, Your answer gave me hope. Talk to me about just one thing, and it can be more than one, honestly. But this is our series, right? At the end of our, our podcast, we like to wrap things up with how our listeners show up. So if you can share with us just one thing, plus or whatever, and I know there's a couple pluses because I already know you have a few things down the way that people can get involved, but how do people get involved with you? How can they show up? How can they support you and be real specific? Cause I know you, I think you have some events. There's ways people can do this now in the next couple of weeks.
2: So, yeah, just one thing is it is hard to say just one thing, but I was thinking on it and just one thing, if I could say just one thing, I would say encourage everyone to educate themselves, because when you know better, you do better. Right. And I think the more that people uncover how preventable this maternal health crisis is, the more people will be compelled to support And so yeah, just educate yourself, visit our website, Google maternal health, Google black maternal health, like figure out where the issues lie and how you can help. Please keep in touch with Equity Before Birth, uh, EquityBeforeBirth.com and at Equity Before Birth on all social media. We are super committed to keeping donors engaged and informed, keeping our families engaged and informed and just the community at large creating opportunities for us to collaborate and to empower one another. We are most we just received our first grant awards like uh, a couple weeks ago we were before them 100 funded by donations and so every single dollar helps and counts and so donating to us spreading the word sharing our social media posts sharing it with your employer your colleague every time we spread the word we find another person who's intimately connected to our issue and it adds on to our board and our volunteers and our operations staff in the way that we're able to spread capacity yeah, so tune in for updates. We have on July thirty first, we'll be having a drive through community baby shower, partnering with May and Sister Song for that. What that means is that moms and Durham will come through and pick up brand new baby items, diapers and wipes and onesies and hats and socks and baby bathtubs and and things of that nature. It's actually there at Re City in the parking lot, July 31st from 9 a.m. to 1130 a.m. Stalk our website and social media for more details. Um, You can donate money or you can donate. We have a wish list. You can donate new baby items. For that, if, and we do those about quarterly, so we can keep it going. If we're not able to make our summer one, we'll be doing something else for families around the holidays and so on and so forth. We'll be celebrating Black Breastfeeding Week in August, August 28th, we'll likely do another community outreach event, so stay tuned for that. But yes, educate yourself, plug in, figure out who in the community is doing what it is that you would like to see done, and then see if you can donate or volunteer for those efforts, because we can save our lives, and and we will do that. Mm. Joy. Thank, Thank you so much
1: for taking the time to to be with us today. Thank you for the work that you're doing. It's so important in the way that you're coming alongside families and really saving lives, really. I mean, what you're doing is life changing and life-saving work. And I hope that our listeners get inspired. I mean, as I listen to you, I'm inspired to say I want to get involved. I want to get involved with what you're doing. And you've made it so easy for people to plug in. So thanks for pointing the way inviting us into this story and this vision that you laid out so beautifully today. And uh, we appreciate you. Go enjoy a, uh, a Freezy Pop when this is all over.
0: A popsicle. Hey.
1: <laughs> We're going to settle this. We're going to take it to social media. We're going to settle this once and for all. Yeah. Or-
2: <laughs> so, so, so much for this opportunity. Um, also joy at equitybeforebirth dot com. Like email me, find me on social media, find the organization tap in. I can help. If you see a partner org that you're interested in working with, we can connect you with any of our partner orgs as well. Thank you. Love joy. it. Great. Thank you, Joy. You're doing the Good work friends. Thank, Thank you. y'all. Y'all have a great day.
1: Man, she's, she's, great.
2: Champion, yeah. she's great. She's great. She's great,
0: and very humble. I mean, she's she is the reason, and many. I mean, for our listeners, I, I think they probably felt that. Very knowledgeable, very clear. Champions her moms and community and their needs first, but a really strong voice for this. And I think it's it's pretty special. You know, before we jumped on record here for this little back half, we were talking about how this is a lightning in the bottle moment, and, mm. and can truly transformative for our country, right? If we start to look at our communities holistically and not fracture them and say, let's just not worry about what's going on in community A, because I'm in community B and community B is doing great. (laughs) We're Mm. thriving over here, Mm. right? So good luck to community A, who I probably will never run into, members of that community, very, And our paths won't cross. And I think Mm. If anything, what's happened in the last year is that we recognize that we are a web, that this country truly Mm. is interconnected. Mm. We are a network, we are a web. You can't escape each other. We really do have the ability to have, there's this force for good, right? And so when you make an investment anywhere across our country, the ripple effect will be felt somewhere down the line. Mm. And maybe you won't recognize it because you're not seeing it. But I promise you, you will because I mean, promise you will have there will that impact is there, whether it's somebody you run into at the bus stop or if it's somebody that you're running into at your community center or church, you don't know. But that person, that individual may have been impacted by investments and partnerships along the way that have made them an incredible strategic partner or have invested in you in ways that you will just never know. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. we've got to really connect these dots and stop isolating ourselves as a community and start caring about one another because frankly, friends, it matters because, when, yeah. <laughs> because we're, we can't disconnect it. And she sort of made that case today, talking about the inequities and disparities in communities of color and what women of color are facing for birth. But again, I'm rambling here now, yeah. so we, but you get what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. I wonder <laughs> when you it. said lightning in a bottle... I wonder if I think about my own experience, our family's experience in the pandemic as maybe a case study or as exhibit A of this, but I feel like I have more empathy for the things that she was saying today, not because we have the same story, but because this past year has also been hard and having kids in a pandemic is really challenging in different ways for different people. But it feels like you talked about like our humanity, this interconnectedness, it almost yeah. feels like the pandemic has given invited us into to seeing, oh, we have this in common. We're the same here. So and the story of her founders, right? The founders organization saying, Oh, this is dear to our heart, but we we felt this. We need to step away because of how hard this is. You need to do this. Yeah. I almost wonder if now isn't this time where People are more aware of this shared humanity and they see their neighbors in a different light. Maybe neighbors that have different access to resources, et cetera, et cetera, and now are primed to do something about that because they feel like they can see themselves in their neighbor's story a little better than they could before the pandemic. And I, I hope that's the case. At least that's the case for me. I feel like I had new eyes to see the vision that she was saying today on the back end of a really difficult year and a half of trying to raise kids and seeing how broken just the childcare world is and how much that, and, and in many ways, my wife and I you know both work full-time jobs, right? We're buffered against some of these harsher realities, had the luxury of working from home sometimes, right? To be remote. And yeah. it, make, it makes you ask this question, right? We've mentioned this before, asking why five times? Yeah. What is it? my wife and I've done that before. What do people do that don't have two full-time jobs or don't have two parents in a home, don't have all these buffers against hardship? How do people make it? Because my wife and I are like, we are barely holding on to get to the finish line some days. How is this even possible? And I guess that's my point of like, maybe causing that to not just stay within your own circle of concern, but really expanding that out to actually Asking that question, and then when there is an amazing organization like what Joy is doing with Equity Before Birth, really using the, the resources that you have at your disposal to be able to go and provide that buffer for other people, I just think it's really beautiful the order in which they do it, Jess. Like there's something, and maybe this is just like the, the faith lens I'm taking to this, but this yeah. idea of we're going to give you this money before asking you to jump through all these hoops. We're going to give it to you on the front end. We're not going to hold it and say... You got to navigate through this maze of resources and prove yourself, you know, worthy. And then we're going to give you some scraps. No, we're going to give it to you on the front end and watching the beautiful, what that does for people, the the way that, you know, it dignifies the journey. And then they go and they actually are motivated to provide for their children. And, and actually, it, it has this beautiful ripple effect when you reverse the order. I don't know. There's something that is deeply spiritual about, I think, that metaphor Of what happens when you love someone on the front end, right? And how that love then can go and and, and change people generationally.
0: Shifts power dynamics too. And I think we need to see more of that. Yeah in in big and small ways. We just gotta see power dynamics to shift a little bit. And over time, because it's not gonna be one big jump, but we've got to make an effort to imagine how could we look at this process differently and empower others in new ways. Why do we feel a need to hold on to the her strings hold on to the power. I loved her, many of her examples. She she weaved many examples of where that was that people took a different lens, and she's taking a different lens, right? So mm. it's trickling down. And to your point, we're going to see more flourishing. We're going to see more people thriving within their community, and that ripple effect we'll never know for years to come, generations to come. But it really does. I think it's a mindset shift, right? That power dynamic shift on how we serve our community that has to
1: change. And I I hope it's because people realize that's what I would want for myself and for my family. If I was in that situation, this is how I would want if these were my children. And these are the kind of questions people should ask. And I think that's where we find healing in ways that actually can lead to flourishing. If it's like, what would I want to have done if this was my family and these were my kids And it was this, this this hit home for me.
0: Yeah. Can we just like, can we run them through 10 different hoops? Meanwhile, I mean, I'm a mom, I remember, and it's been a while, but I remember what it was like and to have to be run and to be indignity. Is that the right word? Yeah. The the lack of dignity and having to, like, it just brings me to tears to Mm. think that any mom has to ask to be served in this way when there's so many of us that, get it handed to us. But then there's moms who are struggling in the same way. It's just trying to do the best for their kids and have to make a case for it. That's not okay.
1: I think it even, it ties. I love the interconnectedness of so many, these, these roots, right? There's this through line and even no. the, the, our most recent episode around trauma, right? Trauma informed care. This is, we're hopefully shifting the lens where we're just seeing the whole playing field, helping our listeners do that. It feels like we're on this journey where our eyes are being more and more opened with every one of these conversations, but they're all connected to each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're all doing their part to be a part of, of this ecosystem building that hopefully will enable everybody to flourish, which I think is the goal, right? Or sh- should be the goal. And I'm encouraged and inspired that there are people like Joy out there doing the work that needs to be done. And so I hope our listeners will, will lean into it and be able to, to see themselves and their story.
0: And go buy some baby stuff for her drive in July. Go absolutely buy some we want go you sh- we want your mind to change we want your heart to shift and we want you to do something for this organization for these moms that would be a really great next step go, go
1: educate baby yourself baby and if that feels too intimidating right away go buy a pack I of diapers. diapers and just show up to the Recity parking lot. lot and that's guess right. what you'll get the education as you go that's
0: right yes awesome friend steps. Pun until telling.
1: next time i'm going to get a freezy pop
0: <laughs> all right i see all right. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much for listening to Just. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review.
1: Many thanks to DJ p Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.